Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Welcome to the Honest Art Podcast. I'm your host, Jody King. As an artist for 20 years, instructor, speaker, author, and fellow rebel, I've worked with thousands of people around the world, from beginners to established artists, helping them create their strongest art and build a career doing what they love. So if you are ready to have a little fun while you learn about art, creativity, building a thriving art business, and living a bold, audacious life, you are in the right place. Also, if you're considering going pro in your art business, grab the PDF in the show notes on the five things they don't teach you in art school. All right, let's get messy. It is the super rare person who dives into abstract expressionism painting who actually does it well from the get-go. But lots of people, and I admit I was this person, but lots of people think it will be easy because, you know, you just throw a little paint on the canvas, right? It's only when those people get started that they realize it's a hell of a lot harder to paint abstract art than it looks. And many people will then turn to YouTube videos that promise, you know, quote, how to create a quick and easy abstract painting. But I'm just going to say it. Like, number one, those paintings aren't very good. Sorry. And number two, you ask any accomplished abstract artist and they'll tell you there is nothing quick and easy about creating abstract expressionist paintings. However, once you get the hang of it, it can be incredibly gratifying and healing. And I know this from experience. So... Since painting in abstract expressionism is my jam, I thought I would share some of the things that I've learned over the last 20 years of my art career and share with you my 10 common mistakes to avoid if you want to create your strongest abstract paintings yet. All right, are you guys ready? Let's get messy. Okay, first, let's make sure we're on the same page when it comes to the term abstract expressionism, because I may simply say abstract, but I'm really talking abstract expressionism, and I'm just using the term interchangeably. But either way, I like to think of abstract or abstract expressionism as turning ourselves inside out and putting on the canvas 
what is going on in our inner experience. And I will say this can be the same thing for many types of art. It could be the same for dance. It could be the same thing for writing music, for just, you know, writing anything. It's just that turning our inner experience on the outside. And what that means is if I'm angry then the gestures on the canvas will be, you know, sharp and jagged movements. If I'm maybe been in nature, the color and movement of nature will likely be expressed under the canvas as well. So in that same way, if I'm excited or lonely or feeling some kind of way about anything, it'll be brought into the light and onto the canvas, oftentimes it surprises me, and oftentimes it's not even pretty. But the thing is, is if I want to create fine art, that means that I can't just simply forget the fundamentals that also go into fine art. So yes, I want to express myself through this process of abstract expressionism, but I cannot forget the fundamentals of values, uh, color cohesiveness, and composition. All right, so let's get into those 10 mistakes to avoid. Mistake number one, having an attachment to the outcome of what you want the painting to look like from the get-go, like from the very beginning. Now, I have to admit, this gets me almost every time because I, well, I'll just say like this most recent collection that I did, I had an idea, like an, I had an attachment to, um, that I wanted to create a series of paintings that were all florals, right? So I, I went into my studio. I, I, I just love flowers. I always have. I, I was telling myself all of my own stories about flowers, about blooming, about seeds, about, you know, different types of flowers, what they mean. Like I had, I was seriously attached to the idea of a series about flowers. Have I known from, I don't know, at least a decade that I shouldn't be attached to an outcome before I get started? Yes. Did I do it anyway? Yes, I did. Um, so I got started on this collection of flowers and they were all just turning to shit. They were just like, I was forcing it instead of just allowing whatever needed to come through to come through. So, um, that took me literally weeks of work that just went down the drain because I was attached too early to the outcome about what that series needed to be. Now, it turns out the series was completely different. It was about something completely different, but it was, I'm still so proud of myself for going back to just what I know and expressing um, just kind of what was going on for me on the inside. Now, another attachment to the outcome that we want to try to avoid also something that I will do <laughs> is um, we want to avoid attaching to our own paintings that we previously loved. So you know how 
you know, you, you can paint five, six, seven paintings, whatever. And then all of a sudden there will be that one painting there. You're just like, holy shit, where did that come from? It's my favorite painting I've ever done. You know, that sort of thing. We get, we just get really jazzed about that one painting. And then, you know, what happens is I'll go back into the studio and I'll be like, okay, how do I do that again? Because it's so awesome. And so that's a fail every single time because it just doesn't work that way. I can't copy my own work any more than somebody else can copy my own work. And even if I did, it's going to be so flat and uninteresting and, and frankly, literally impossible to recreate something that I've already done. So attachment even to my own work and to what it should look like, that's going to, that's going to be a fail every time. Okay. Number two, uh, the mistake we want to avoid for this is wanting to paint like someone else. And I know that can be really tricky because as artists, we tend to adore art, right? We love looking at art. We love appreciating art. We love going to museums. We love looking on Instagram. We love art and looking at other people's art. And so what can happen is we, rather than trusting our own marks and trusting um, the way that we paint and the way that feels most natural and the way that feels most our own and most our own voice, we don't trust that. And so we think, oh, well, I love this other person's art. So I want to make art that looks like theirs, especially with abstract, because it's like, how hard can it be, right? They use swirls and, or they use spray paint or they use some kind of other way that we don't use. So we'll just you know, we'll just try to, to paint like they do. And what happens is it just is a, it's a miss. It's like, I've, I've said this before, but it's like when you, when you go to a party or you go to a wedding or you go to some event and you're, there's a dance floor and you see that person that's just got those moves, you know, that person that's just, it looks so effortless for them. And so you kind of start you know, moving your feet the same way they do, swinging your hips a little bit the way they do. And then, you know, for me, I just end up looking like, you know, what Elaine from Seinfeld <laughs> just looks so stupid because it's not the natural way that I dance. So that's the same thing. It's the mistake that we want to avoid is trying to paint like somebody else. Don't do it. I know you're going to be tempted to. We all are. But um, just kind of a rule that I make for myself is, although I looking at, love looking at other people's art, I don't do it right before I paint. Okay, now, mistake number three, and that is holding back, okay? So what we will normally do is we will hold back from a full expression, usually out of fear of making a mistake, or we are just unsure about our own um, brushstrokes or our own way of approaching the canvas. And I'd like to equate this to, you know how we are right now when we sign our signature? And by the way, this signature thing goes into several things about his painting, but, but you know how like when you're older and you sign your name, you sign your signature, it's like 
clear. It's just, even if it just doesn't even look like something, it's clear, it's strong, it's your signature. Versus when you first started signing your name. Do y'all remember that when we first, well, do people even learn cursive anymore? I don't know, but I did. And I know a lot of you out there learned cursive and then through cursive, you learned how to sign your name. Well, that, that signature was kind of wobbly a little bit versus what we're doing now. And it's in that same way that you can tell an artist that is holding back in their work. It's it just feels it just feels a little wobbly. So the cure for that, this is the really great news. The cure for that is to paint a lot. And if you don't have, you know, a lot of canvases to go through, don't worry about it. Paint on paper, paint on cardboard, paint in a journal. It doesn't matter where you paint, but paint a lot because that's going to be like that signature. You remember we had to practice it over and over and over again. And through um, the practice and through painting a lot, our work started to, to get stronger or it starts to get stronger. And here's the other thing that we need to do when it comes to holding back and fear of making a mistake. And that is that we can't give a shit if anyone else is going to like it right? If we need to write something on there or we need to make a circle or we need to, I don't know if we're drawn, for me, like there's a lot of ladders in my work and sometimes it'll be like, I'll be thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense for this piece, but I just keep putting it on there because that's what feels right. That's, if I didn't put it on there, I would be holding back. Um, but you know, that self-editing thing that will help us, that will make us hold back a lot. So anyway, that's the thing. Third mistake is stop holding yourself back. All right, number four, and this kind of goes along with the holding back, and that is that there's not enough expression within the work. So remember, abstract expressionism is about expressing externally what's going on for us on the inside. And so that would mean that the expression within the strokes, um, it has to have like some follow through. And what I mean by that is you, if you have an expressive stroke that, you know, let's say you've got a large palette knife, or maybe you've got a brush and you start and you swipe it across the canvas and you can just see how it's a little fat in the beginning. And by the time it's at the end, it's it's much smaller. Like you can see that expression in there. And maybe it goes off the canvas, right? Maybe that stroke, because it's so expressive, um, the end of it you can't even see because it's off the canvas. That is That is expression, right? But what I often see is there is not enough expression because let's say we take the paintbrush and then we just do a little, just a little stroke, just a little one. And it starts and it stops maybe right in the middle of the canvas. And it's just like, well, well, where were we going with that? Like you can just, just tell not, not every stroke needs to go off the canvas. That's not at all what I'm saying, but you can tell when there is not enough expression in the work. Now, sometimes there's work that is just so incredibly peaceful, right? Um, that is expression in and of itself, but in the same way, 
we want to make sure that that is expressive. It's expressing peace. So one of the things that I do um, every time before I paint is I meditate. Now, don't let that scare you. Meditation can be just two minutes of grounding yourself and two minutes of just sitting and deep breaths and just focusing on your breath, focusing on your awareness of your surroundings, focusing on just your feet on the ground. But what the meditation does is it, it grounds us into the um, expression or what we are feeling. Because if we've been running around and we've been going to the grocery store, we've been taking kids somewhere, if we've been helping parents, if we've been, you know, whatever, running errands, whatever it might be, and then we show up to the canvas to create or to paint or to write or whatever it might be, we're going to be kind of all over the place. So it's the grounding. It's the meditation piece of just stopping, taking a minute just recalling who we are, recalling where we are and what it is that we want to express. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but real quick, I've got something going on right now that if you're an artist looking to find your true voice or style, are you just simply ready to take your meh art to fine art, you know, the kind of art that is hung in galleries and museums, then I'm offering a six-week honest art boot camp for artists to do exactly that. And during the six weeks, I'll be teaching live. This is not a recording. I'm going to be with you live every week, teaching on how to find your voice and style, as well as techniques that every artist should know. Plus, we're going to have weekly art critiques and workbooks on how to find your why, on how to get unstuck, free meditations, and tons more. And so we kick this off the week of February 5th, but you can still join up until February 16th. Just use the link in the show notes to sign up. And by the way, the first week is entirely free, so there's nothing to lose. See you there. Now, let's get into number five. And I think this is something that we don't often recognize. But mistake number five is making the same strokes in the same direction. So remember, I said I was going to get back to this signature thing. So this is what happens is... You know how our signature, it can uh, tend to either slant left or it could be kind of an up and down signature. Or for me, my signature tends to slant a little bit to the right. Well, in the same way that we write, that is is how we paint. So if we've got a, a paintbrush and we tend to paint, you know, left to right and it's on that slant, that's how it's going to be on the canvas. So, but we don't want that much similarity because that's not interesting. We want the uh, the viewer to be interested and curious. And if all of the strokes are in the same direction, it tends to not have the, we tend to not have the same amount of curiosity for the piece that we would otherwise. So we want to, to change up those brush strokes, right? Now, the easiest way to do this that I have found is to spin the canvas. And by spinning the canvas, that can also help with releasing the attachment to, uh, you know, to the outcome of the piece, like we said uh, in the first thing. So spinning the canvas can be super helpful 
for releasing our attachment to the outcome as well as changing up the direction of our brush strokes. Another thing you may have seen people do, which I, I do as well, but you can change up your uh, dominant hand. So like if I paint primarily uh, with my right hand, you know, you can switch and you can, can paint with your left hand. That could be really fun. For me, I always forget though when I go back to my right hand. But uh, anyway, changing your dominant hand can be helpful. And then the other thing that I think is fun that I've done is you can take like a yardstick or a long just stick from outside and you can tape a paintbrush to that long stick. And that can be really fun too, to change up those uh, brush strokes because you have less control over it. So that's another fun thing to do. So make sure you don't have those brush strokes all going in the same direction. All right, number six, same kind of thing um, as number five, except the brush strokes tend to be the same size. And we don't want that. Again, really cool composition, and especially in abstract art, is in the dance of opposites. It's in having large areas of color and small areas of color and thick lines and thin lines and you know, sharp edges and soft edges. It's, you know, it's the dance of the opposites. So when we have um, colors that are in the same size, it tends to be less interesting. And this happens because of the exact same reason it happens with our signature in the slanting of the brush strokes. We tend to paint in the same area, just like we tend to write our signature in the same area on a line. So um, changing that up by being really intentional about the sizes of color that you paint large areas of color and small areas of color can be really uh, impactful in uh, our abstract art. All right, number seven, we just have a few more to go hang in there because they're really important. Uh, Number seven, quitting too soon or not quitting soon enough. Um, So here's what I usually find is that we get to a certain point point in the creative process and we're like, huh, I like it. And then we're afraid to mess it up. But there's also a part of us that knows it's not quite there yet. Like it just feels like something is missing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. It just feels like something is not quite done but we will often hold ourselves back for fear of fucking it up, right? And that's where the mistake comes in because it's in taking those risks that you really find the most interesting stuff happen. It's like you're digging deep, you're taking those risks and it maybe it's a mark. Maybe, I don't know what it might be, but holding ourselves back, you can just tell. You can just tell in the work that it was just, sometimes it has the feeling of, I hate to say this, but it's almost like it's contrived. It just feels so safe and safe art is, tends to be kind of uninteresting art. So don't quit too soon. Now, um, at the same time, uh, here's what I tend to do. I don't usually have the problem of quitting too soon. I tend to have the problem of overworking or um, not stopping soon enough. And what happens is um, you can start like painting 
wet into wet. You know, I, I, y'all know how to feel about mud. There can be really good mud, but painting wet into wet and just, it's like, it can just become like a, just a shit show. And so there's bad mud, <laughs> which I have made before and there's good mud. So not, you know, try not to quit too soon, but also sometimes, uh, you just need, you just need to stop and think it's not done yet, but it's not going to be done today. All right, number eight, and this is super, super common. I think I've talked to you guys about this before. This is 90% of the time when an artist is stuck in their art or we are doing an art critique, um, which, you know, I'm going to be doing these art critiques for the Honest Art Bootcamp, which I'm so excited about because that is really, those art critiques are really what takes your art um, so much farther, so much faster. But anyway, the, the thing that is most common is values that are too similar. And so by that, by values, I know a lot of you know this, but just for those of you that don't, values really just mean the darkness and the lightness of a color. So a light value, just, you know, to, for ease of explanation, a really light value would be like white and a really dark value would be like black. And so a medium value would be like gray, right? So on a scale of one to 10, like white would be one, 10 would be black, and then a medium value would be be five. But our brain registers value, the darkness and lightness of a color before it ever sees a color. So we will tend to paint with medium values, not because we're not smart, but because number one, we've never been taught to mix colors um, appropriately. And number two, most of the paint that you buy straight out of the jar, straight out of the tube, most of the time, like 80% of the time, maybe 90, it's going to be a medium value. So if we just paint right out of the tube without changing it up, mixing some values, changing some colors, if we don't do that, then we're going to have medium values. So that's something to, uh, it's really common, but it's something to really look at in your art, a mistake to avoid. And in order to avoid this mistake, an easy peasy tip is if you're not sure about your values, take a picture of the painting and then on your settings, change that to black and white and then take a look at it. If if you don't have enough light or dark values, you're going to see it within that black and white photo. All right, two more and then we're going to wrap it up. All right, uh, number nine, continuing to paint when you are super frustrated. Now this goes back to what I was talking about, not quitting soon enough, but I can't stress enough that if you are in that, in, you know, the process of the creative process of this is shit and I am shit. And what, who, who did I ever think about? (laughs) Why did I think I could ever paint? You know, I'm a hack. I don't know if y'all have ever had those. I, I have those all the time, but I know I'm just working through the creative process, but In those moments, what I find to be so, so helpful is to step away. Do not keep painting when you are super frustrated. Now, I've talked about how sometimes I'll go to another canvas. You know, I'll I'll have some techniques, but sometimes not even that is enough. You just got to step away. Uh, You can do this old sit and stare. If you have a chair, um, you know, close to where you paint, you can look at at your work and just sit and stare for a minute. You could go for a walk. 
Um, you can do whatever. Just come back at a later time. Otherwise, like I said, it's just going to turn wet into wet and it's going to turn into mud and then you're going to feel even worse than you did before. So take a minute when you're super frustrated and step away. All right. And then finally, the final mistake that we can avoid in our abstract art is we can, we can stop using the exact same tools and brushes every with every stroke. You know, that same size brush, um, those like this, just those same tools because varying your tools and the sizes of your tools will create that coveted difference and like unexpected outcomes that you wouldn't find otherwise. So, you know, I have my favorite tools, my top 10 favorite tools that I like to use. We'll, I'll put a link to those 10, my 10 favorite tools in the show notes here, because I, I use all kinds of, of weird things. You know, y'all know, I love to sometimes grab my shop towels and literally dip the shop towel in the paint and paint with the shop towel. That's going to give a totally different look than a paintbrush will. Um, I also love using color shapers, which have very, you know, that creates really sharp edges. And that's great, especially compared to when you're, you know, you've got a shop towel. That's a whole different look. So besides, it's just fun. It's fun to have different tools that you work with and change it up a little bit. And it just, it just creates lots of things. I use a lot of different things. Like I said, um, get my favorite tools in the show notes, but, um, creating with the same tools, that's a mistake that we want to avoid. So I hope that was helpful. I know there is a saying, I say it too. So I, I almost hesitate to say there are mistakes in art because come on, a lot of people say this, there are really no mistakes in art, but these are things that we can consider and we can keep in mind to, especially when we're stuck, right? Um, but these are things that we can use because a lot of us want to not just, you know, paint for fun. A lot of us want to create fine art and these are the things that we can do that will get us there. So thanks for listening. You guys remember to please subscribe to to the uh, Honest Art Podcast because when you do, you can get notifications when we release new podcasts. But also I'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast, especially if you like it. If you don't like it, you know, don't worry about it. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. (laughs) All right. Until next time, take good care of yourselves and each other. Peace out. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. 
all delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.